everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. You're very welcome. It's the last show before the live show, the first ever live show for LOI Central. First and hopefully not the last. We're in association with Future Ticketing Collar and Cuff, uh, who are going to suit us and boot us uh, for the show. Future Ticketing doing the tickets. Porter House Brewery providing the facilities of Lost Lane and a couple of free gin and tonics and high class gin the dingle gin i believe if uh, if you're into your gin which i think on occasion we are and malone insurance we're probably going to insure for uh, our general well-being after the show uh, on sunday patrick mcelenny uh, we're going to hear from after Derry city's win against uh, shells last night dan caught up with him and our main guest today is pat finland who hopefully has recovered from linfield's uh, european exit Hopefully Chris Shields has as well, because he is one of our special guests on Sunday, Dan. Uh, you're getting anxious about uh, the show. You're, 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 just, you're anxious about these live shows. I'm just more blasé about it. Everything you're will be fine. You're more blasé. You're like... Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. I'm not anxious. I'm just like, you know, it's... going to be a great night. I'm going to just like get people's game face on here. You know, mm. it's like can't just rock in there and just... You know, sit there and go, what are we going to do now? Like, I have to plan a show. It's like, it's Chris Shields, Zone Doyle, it's Dave Webster. You don't have to plan anything. These things um, work themselves out. Well, what do you mean not plan anything? Because there's three good talkers. Like, we well, don't, we don't so need do, to do So, do, do you think that all came together unplanned? No, but like... So why do we go after the three of them? Because they're good talkers and they know each other, kind of. There's a bit of a history there. Oh, I see. You've done your research. We have a special guest as well, so uh, it's going to be a good night. Yeah, we'll have details on the rest of the guest list later in the week. Um, I don't know, like, you know, the whole thing of, like... Pushing it out there, you know, get your tickets and stuff like that. It's not really our sort of like. No, it wouldn't be great salespeople. Natural, our natural thing, but we will, we will point out that yeah, like we probably put it out there last week. It's like you know, I mean, it's 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 what twenty two euro for your ticket plus a hand and fee, but two free drinks there with us. I think it'd be good value. Well, good value it's actually me. you're actually getting paid to go because G and T's cost about thirteen euro these days. We're not telling people they have to have G and T. To be have. clear, I mean, guess get the value. Like no, to be clear, we're not. We're not. We're also not make it easier not, to listen to us. It's not mandatory G and T. That that would be some kind of weird state that you've signed up for. Where it's like you know, this is it. Wouldn't be a bad state. Well, yeah. <laughs> you'd be in a bad state. The next might day. explain why some of the maybe some of those uh, North Korean fans who you see <laughs> cheering enthusiastically when they reach the World Cup, they were actually just uh, they're boozed up. They were high on a couple of. G and T's, you know. Um, I mean, the planning has been a joke on your behalf. You're having your forty the night before. This is terrible. Like Rod O'Connor, f- friend of the show, has already called you out on this. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply worried about how I will be on Sunday. Well, I mean, sometimes you just gotta like focus your life around big weekends. Big it events. is a big weekend. Because like, Friday, as life, well, like it says, it says, it says, oh, yeah, Bose Rovers. Bose Rovers. Yeah. It says, you know, this whole thing about life begins at forty, right? Let's test that theory out. Let's 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 make the first weekend. It's the day your birthday, actually. No, it's tom- well, it's Wednesday. It's tomorrow. Oh, okay, so, yeah. Tur- so, like this whole theory, this, few times. this whole theory of um, yeah, I've answered it a few times. As well, mm. you don't listen. Um, but like you know, life begins at forty. Let's start it off this weekend, and then I'm going off on a bit of a holiday as well. So, I mean, we just like we 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 we've been talking for long enough about getting this done. We find it hard with the fixtures, you know. I think there is the, that the, like the European Thursdays, and then trying to predict who'll be playing on Sundays and stuff. Um, there was a few factors there, and I know people are like a few people are electric picnic, and you know we're sorry about that. I had to um, turn that down for your birthday as well. well. There you go, freebies for electric oh, picnics. There, there you go. Okay, well mm. done. Jeez, come down off that cross there. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. have been coming down off another thing if I'd gone to your <laughs> to your thing <laughs> after electric then picnic. Potentially, you're potentially flying to flying flying to another country on the Monday as well. But I mean, uh, uh. I'm going to discuss your. 
your career plans here and your sort of uh, attack on the climate um with with with, with said with same but um yeah no, i've given really up on that then uh, yeah i've given up on that we're beyond fox i'm just i'm not even going to talk about it anymore so just enjoy what's left that is the, literally like right okay. we'll be talking about football in the context of well you know fixtures are going to be ruined by lots of things going forward yeah so but i wouldn't want to be playing a game in pakistan at the moment but a third of the country underwater like so, no to be no, fair so no. i you know anyway we're in bother but i mean at least Try to enjoy the time we have. Long live potentially starting, potentially starting with yeah. uh, with, with Lost Lane this 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 coming Sunday. So starting with this we podcast wanna, right we wanna, now. We want to we want to uh, we want to do more of these live shows, but obviously you know we we uh, we, uh, we 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 we'd, we'd like to see some of our regular listeners who've been with us through whatever six years. Six years of free podcast. Now we're giving you free gin. I mean, this is yeah. it. What next? Dingle Gin is is highbrow. Anyway, um, um, so there's been there's been a fair bit going on around the league since we've since we've since our last show. When you think about it, because you had the Shamrock Rovers Farron Travers game, um, you're two Andy Lyons winners, and Andy Lyons then the announcement of his sale to to Blackpool to go through in January. Um, we've had Bowes winning a cup, sorry, Bowes winning a cup game and losing a league game, which is definitely uh, foremost to the mailbag. Um, and yeah, last night I was at Talca for Shells against Derry, um, which was settled by a Ryan Graydon deflected strike in injury time, which was a deserved win for Derry on the basis of the chances they created. But it does put them second. Um, but you've got Derry, Dundalk in a race for second with Pat suddenly sort of creeping into it now. Oh, they're very much in that race. Yeah, and I think... I think Dundalk are in a battle to finish in the top Pats, four now. Pats deserve top three. Top three. Pats deserve credit for not having a European hangover. Like you see a team that goes out of Europe, even thinking of Dundalk last year, maybe to surprise people by how they performed in Europe relative to their league form, and then they went off a cliff when they went out of Europe. I think it gave Pats a lift. Actually, that was the worst run. Yeah, they did it was, well. Yeah, I think it and did. And the new players as well who enjoyed the experience. Yeah, um, so we've lots to talk about today. Yeah, now, I mean that's it. Like Dundalk are sort of they've had another red card. They do have Dundalk have a nice run of fixtures coming up though. Mm. That was the, that was their encouragement that they would have a, ch- a chance of winning the league. Almost was if they got beyond the the Rovers game in Tala. Um, that they'd have a a good run at it. Um, so um, I think you'd still I'd still fancy them to finish in the top three on that on that basis. But mm. obviously, you know, away form across the year hasn't been strong. But I think five of their games remaining are at Oriel Park, which obviously would mm. help them considerably in that. Yeah, in looking that forward regard. to talk to Pat about the high line as well because that's been mentioned a lot. And the fact that Stephen O'Donnell might be a lucky general because they were lucky to win in Wexford, one hundred percent. You read the reports; they coughed up quite a few chances, won in extra time. Stephen O'Donnell, as manager, obviously won the cup last season on a penalty shootout, which Bowes lost, and it hasn't been. Great for Keith Long since um, booze in Daily Mount last night probably inevitable. The there was chat about the goal that uh, Cotter scored. The defending was yeah. Well, well let's deal with some of that mail to, to avoid repetition. But before that, let's I did, go to fats. I did have a chat with Patrick McElhenney. Note after. how Dan is kind of just almost like giggling here. You, just, oh, you love fats. You, you, there's, a, there's, there's a clear like kind of it's almost like you're a little bit in awe of the great man here. Um, no, I would not. I wouldn't be in awe of anyone, Johnny. I think we, we know. We know where the starstruck sense comes from here. No, I, I think I actually listen to Dan's kind I of do, giggles here. No, I do get on well at McElhenney because um, we had this thing last year where pretty much every time I interviewed him, 
um, or in the last couple of years, every time I interviewed him, he got injured afterwards. <laughs> so like every time he sees me, I don't, I'm not sure if he's like too happy to see me, to be honest, you know? So it's almost like- just been ruled out for the season though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, <laughs> it's always like the sort of the grim reaper of like uh, chatting to McElhenney. So here he is after the game last night. So Patrick, you're happy enough with sort of how that's finished up for you? Aye, no, we, I think we deserved to win the game. Um, we got there in the end. I think it's, it's sort of been the story of our season where we're, Pushing and pushing towards the end, we never, you know, make it easy for ourselves. But I think we deserve to win now. You sort of answer me, ask my next question, like the story of the season. How would you describe it? Some set it to you, a lot of draws. Uh, or... We just at times we just couldn't put the ball in the net. I think I can't remember too many games where we haven't been the better team. To be honest, I think maybe Dundalk and Oriel there recently. We were back to the wall and we went one up. But I, I genuinely can't remember many games where we've been completely outplayed. So. Um, but look, we've, we're a new team, I keep saying it, and we're still trying to figure each other out. And it's still a process, we're getting there. Um, I think it's clear to everybody that we're, we try and play it. Just generally, have you have you enjoyed being back? I mean, I haven't actually spoken to you for a while. Like, what's it like being home? Just in terms of... Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's brilliant, amazing. It's more brilliant for my family to be home. You know, we've been away for quite a while, and um, playing for Derry, I'm a Derry City fan, always have been, my whole, my whole life, so... Um, but no, to be in a team and a dairy team which you believe in and I'm obviously captain now which is massive for me and my family so um, I'll do everything I can for the, for the club because I think yourself and Mickey people always put you together as a duo when <laughs> you were a duo and like you both had your injury frustrations as well his worse than, yeah. than yours but there must have been earlier in the season that little bit of frustration there for the two of you big time it was, it was kind of never ending at a stage where it was kind of scratching your head and but look, we're getting there, and I think that's the thing that people need to remember. We, this is the first time now, apart from Kieran Hargan, where we've actually had our full yeah. squad. Like we've went the season without Mickey Duffy, Cameron Dummigan was out for a while. I was out. Owen Twole was out for a while when he was here. It was crazy at a stage, but um, we're still digging, getting 90 minute winners. You know, we're, we're a huge character in the team, like in the squad. There's a togetherness. There's a belief. So that's half the battle. Sometimes like, it's hard for a team maybe in the space of one year to go from, I know the club got into Europe last year, but it was sort of mid-table to, mm-hmm. to title. Like, is this, do you feel like this is sort of a year one of something, if you know what I mean? I think so. I, I, I obviously have to answer it a lot, you know, the yeah. fans and, and things like that, where you have to really sit back and have a think about it. It's a completely new team. It really is. Um, and obviously Rory's done an amazing job last year he's took him from a relegation zone took him into Europe which was incredible really um, but I were definitely in a process and we just have to stick with it and I think you can see you know we're, we're playing good stuff and we're winning games obviously there's been our frustrations which is going to happen with a new team but I think we'll get there Can I just ask you about Diallo actually who's come in like you've got the two City boys now Patching and himself who were there can you see it can you see the, the background they've both had if you know what I mean <laughs> I think it's evident you know he doesn't give the ball away, he doesn't get too flustered at tight situations, he'll, he wants it, you know, he'll ask for the ball, if you don't give it to him he'll tell you, mm. that's just the way him and Patch are, you know, they've obviously had a brilliant upbringing through City and two extremely talented players, like I think Sads is blew everybody away really, mm. um, I think that he's obviously coming from Forest Green where he was in and out of the team and he's still getting going, he's not, he's not even fully there yet and that's a scary thing. What can you get from the rest of the season? Like, what's the there's a cup semi, a cup quarter final draw tomorrow. You're second in the league now. Like, what's what's attainable? I mean, as captain now, you have to 
you know, you're the spokesperson for these questions, you know. Um, well done. Like I'm a dreamer. There's no, there's no doubt. I'll sit in the house and think about where we can go. And if, I would be really disappointed, you know, if we didn't have a good cup run and, and get where we want to be. Um, but it's easier said than done, really. Um, and as for the league, look, you have to go game by game because it's been that up and down. Mm. You know, it's. I think you just have to take each game as it comes, and the next one's UCD, and then you just think about it after that. I think in terms of X points, Derry are probably uh, the probably X points. XP's like as in like expected, expected points. That's probably where they deserve is that a, to be is it, second. Do they have expected points? I think they have in Shane Keegan's bench. Then he loves his X. You, you, you'd have points with your X's, wouldn't you? <laughs> You've been known to have X points. Which I was I, which talking I to a manager about a high line this morning. I was like, that was more like, you know, uh, fans of a League of Ireland game after a match now. We're now we're talking about high lines in terms of football. A, a, like, a high line know. with your X. I wouldn't be doing that now. No. <laughs> Dan, you're, going, you're out of control this morning. Um, Derry, Listen, deserve, Derry probably it's my last day second. It's my last day in my 30s. So I just need to like, get it all out of the system here. Yeah, you know? I was watching The Office last night. You just you just belong to that joke. We're in the 30s now. So hey, you're 39. I'm, I'm just 30. It's like 30s. airport Wi-Fi. Airport Wi-Fi is the first time you realise you're aging. But like this happened a couple of years ago. Do you know, like you'd sign in for the airport Wi-Fi. It's like, take your age. And when you went to like 35 to 44... That was almost a sense of like oh no. That's not great Now yeah. you're aging towards the second half of that I mean I mean, I, yeah. it's the next step up um, Things go bad um, We were going to get the mailbag But we've got Pat Fennan coming soon So let's deal with some housekeeping as well Last week's question uh, The answer was Stephen Rice The first Irish player to score a goal in the group stages In a in a sort of a, a draw that would make Ceausescu's Romania blush uh, Turns out that the winner of our draw this week was Julian Canny. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's been mentioned several times in the show, and he's a guy we found. But at least he's he not also the likes craft beer. He's not the guy. Thanks to the yeah, Porterhouse Brewery. Try not to add personal details that you know about the person that makes it seem a little bit more suspicious. Why would you? Although we have had people win the prize who actually don't, it, don't drink uh, at, craft beer. Yeah, but at least at least a mascot for Galway hasn't won at this time. But I'd say mm. Julian's probably next step down from the mascot. Um, well, he entered the draw and he won it. And so. we haven't even mentioned Galway's screw up in UCD. Maybe we can talk about the cup games with Pat. Uh, and this week's question. For the Porterhouse Brewing question, this is a this is topical in the context of the Europa Conference League draw: Jurgarden, Molda, and Ghent for Shamrock Rovers. If we don't talk a huge amount about it this week, it's because we're going to have six weeks of that across the mm. the autumn. But it's a good, you know, it's a tough draw with the Jurgarden sense of things. Maybe Ghent is one of the better top seeds they could face, but we'll see. They might just be warming into their season uh, and Molda will be, be tricky. But anyway, the question is, Shamrock Rovers previously played Jurgarden in a, well, I think a UEFA Cup tie it was, in 2002. Can you name the player that won the FEI Cup in 2002 and scored for Shamrock Rovers in that tie against Jurgarden? 20 you, years ago. So, wow. um, you know, people may be thinking, but Shamrock Rovers didn't win the FEI Cup in 2002. And they didn't. But can you name the player who scored in that tie for Shamrock Rovers and also won the FBI Cup in 2002? Nice one, that. There's your question. Let's go to the mailbag. Oh, we speak to you from the future because we were about to start our mailbag. Um, and we did, in fact, start our mailbag with a lot of comments from aggrieved Bose fans um, who were very unhappy after the game on Monday night. There was comments in there about how we'd gone too soft on Keat Long. We're not ignoring those comments. Um, we did get them and we did discuss them. Um, but the, the vagaries of podcast recording is that uh, we recorded our podcast on Tuesday morning um, and then on 
what, Tuesday evening, Tuesday afternoon, word started to come through that Keith Long um, was was potentially going. It was certainly something I was, I'd heard sort of mid-afternoon. I was trying to work away and farm it up and then five o'clock it was confirmed that he was gone. So we are, we, we did have to just stick something in here to, to, to update our show. This was the natural point to do it. You will hear Pat Fandon shortly. We have, the, we have Pat as a full guest. We did have a slightly longer chat with Pat uh, about both, some of which um, we, we've naturally cut out because it's sort of related to Keith's future. It's not, it's not entirely, uh, unfortunately, it's out of date now, uh, but there's some that we have left in that hopefully sits into the flow of the show about where Bows go generally. But um, yeah, it's a big development. The second longest serving manager in the history of the club, second longest serving manager in the league, but it was uh, a bridge too far. And Johnny, I suppose, like, what was your reaction to it all? Yeah, I was surprised at um, maybe it happened today because I thought that they would give him a bit of time. But at the same time, it was kind of obvious that the crowd seemed to be turning a bit at Daily Mount. And uh, just all the signings that he made, to me, it just looked like there was a little bit of desperation there for a team even in transition. Um, but I've sympathy for Keith. I mean, I don't know if we've ever actually had him on the podcast, but I've always enjoyed the chats with him. And I think he's done a very good job at both from the position they were in, albeit they didn't really win anything. Um, but they had a great run in Europe last season. And uh, it's uh, it's a tough one because I imagine he had a good relationship with the board as well. He really seemed to buy into Bose. And uh, it's... Uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for Keith Long. I don't know where he goes from here. I don't know where Bowes go from here. Imagine um, you will hear some of the obvious names um, probably mentioned. We'll talk about that and on. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one for Keith Long. Um, you know, there's been a lot of upheaval at Bowes, uh, but you know, this season has been disappointing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think probably speaking to a lot of people today, you know, this was starting to starting to come out. I mean. Like you're right in what you say in the sense that, like, you know, due to the fact that he had a good relationship with people at the club, but I don't think that this was a scenario anyone really wanted to happen. Like, even fans who wanted Long to go, and obviously they did exist, it never got toxic at, at Bowes. You know, it never got, um, you know, banners or, or anything. I think that's probably a reflection of the job that he's done, that it's almost more uncomfortable that it hasn't worked out at the end because he was eight years there. The statement does reference for Bose where when he took over, like it wasn't as an attractive job as it is now. Like personally, like since he, even myself, like since this news has come out, the amount of people within football have had on to me between agents and, uh, you know, people involved in the game. Everyone wants to know what's going on with this job or what could happen with this job or what's the story with this job because they know it's a bloody attractive job now. Uh, and it wasn't an attractive job, really, when Long took it. I mean, it was an attractive job in the sense of the prestige of the post. But but I, I guess there would have been probably, I, I don't know, there would be managers looking at this job now who probably, in a comparable position in their career, wouldn't have been looking at it uh, at the end of 2014. So that's the legacy of, of what he's done. It's the legacy of where he's brought them. You know, they finished second in the league in 2020. Um, and so no one wanted it to end like this. But... I think there's no doubt that the word that keeps coming back up, you know, the more you chat to people today is probably recruitment, you know, and that's, and that's what they've lost. And it's where it went wrong that they probably had that like sweet spot of that sort of very, um, you know, that part-time team. We've had players from that team on before 
we've heard players from that team before, you know, Paddy Cavanaugh, Oscar Brennan. That was the first step of it. Shane Supple, that was the first step. But it was clear to Bowes that they kept losing players. Uh, they had to move on. They were going to get to the stage where they had to sort of transition away from where they were into something a little bit more full-time, longer contracts, uh, have the budget to go after a certain different type of player. And they just haven't got that right. And I think over the last year that that has been the issue you know they, they were able to make nine signings mid-season which is great that the support is there but in some ways reflects that you probably just didn't things didn't go as well over the winter like if you're signing nine players mid-season something has gone wrong at the start of that season and that is probably ultimately where um thing, I think we sort of touch on it later on in our chat with Pat about bows generally and their evolution um but that is certainly Recruitment is the word that's come up today that has probably hurt them badly. Yeah, and it's you know it hasn't been an absolutely terrible season. They're in the last eight of the cup. They're sixth in the table. Um, you know they could have been in the top half if a couple of results had gone their way. Minus two goal difference. So it's it's been uh, so much of a transition. I think for Bowes as well. Um, you know the people. There'll be a lot of people mentioned for in this shot for in the running for the job. Uh, I think it's an attractive job. I suppose the irony for Keith is he got to the stage where he probably wanted to get to them in terms of them becoming a full-time club, training their uh, training at a certain time of the day, training in the mornings full-time, got to that transition, and then ultimately was deemed that he couldn't bring them any further, it seems. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned. You know, you'd see the likes of Ian Ryan will be mentioned. I think some of the Irish uh, coaches will be mentioned in the international setup in some shape or form, underage or otherwise. There'll be plenty of overseas interest, I think, in the job as well. It's a big job. League of Ireland is going places, working in Dublin, playing in daily rounds. Um, so it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how it goes. Yeah, and I mean, Derek Pender and Crawley initially, I mean, Derek Pender is very well thought of. I think at one point last winter, he would have been a contender to go to Pats is probably his number two, Tim Clancy. Um, and he ended up staying at Bowes. Um, I think he's very much sort of part of the fabric of the club there too. Um, so you have like Pender and Crawley. Like, what if they started doing well? Like, would there be a would there be a temptation to try and work with something like that? I don't know. Um, like as you said correctly, like it's such a different job now, um, that it's a it's the growth is potentially big there. Again, like we were touching that with Pat later on. I mean, maybe in a, in a couple of years' time, when whatever happens, the daily manager is done. Maybe, maybe that's the mean time to take over. But even still, like you know, someone getting on board with it now. The only slight complication is that if they have signed a lot of these players on multi-year deals, and and someone externally isn't sure about them, like that, that's complicated. You know, it's not as if sometimes it's easier for a manager to come in when there's only three or four players on the contract. Like ironically enough, it would be better for a new manager to inherit the type of rebuild that Keith Long had to do a lot of winters, but they're probably going to inherit a lot of uh, players that he's now signed up. So that's um, that, that's a slight complication. I mean, there's still some good players that are contracts and stuff as well, but they are probably better better tied up in that direction than they would have been at other times. So, yeah, I don't know what way what way they will they will go from here. Um, I, I, I don't... I know you mentioned some names there. Um, yeah, I would have thought like they'd have high caliber interest, all right. And I would be surprised if they took a massive gamble. I think if they were to take a gamble on someone deemed inexperienced, it would probably be like someone that that internal appointment and someone who knows the club externally. I'm not sure what way 
what way they will go with it. Um, but it's it's certainly uh, it's a big change, you know. I mean, think about it. As long as we've been doing this show, Keith Long has been the Bowes manager. Uh, we've seen pretty much everyone else, apart from uh, uh, sort of Bradley and Ollie Horgan, change jobs in the Premier Division. And even Bradley was only becoming permanent. So um, it's a it's a it's a massive change. Um, and as you mentioned, the only advantage of of us. Uh, doing this pod or having to do this insert later on is that we also are now to get to react to that FEI Cup draw which um which which has now taken place and sees Bowes play shells. I mean Derry Shamrock Rovers, right? That's the tide around without a shadow of a doubt. Um but God the Shells Bowes game in Talca with the, the recent games between these sides and Damien Duff Angle and stuff. That's going to be something else, isn't it? Absolutely is. And uh, yeah, as I, as I mentioned in the podcast, like just gutted with Galway United, UCD getting a trip to Treaty. That would have been just perfect for Galway United to get into the last four. But no, I, I was sort of looking forward to a potential Shamrock Rovers Derry City final or something like that this year. That's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, it's, it is a fairly crack. And the, the cup has been slow to get going, I think, in terms of uh, fixtures. But um, yeah, that'll be that'll be a raucous sold out Talca Park. Daily Mount, or sorry, you know, Derry's going to be well sold out as well. That's going to be an absolute cracker. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Treaty and UCD as well. One of them going to be in a cup semi-final, which is pretty mad to think. Yeah, yeah and Waterford and Dock is the other game then as well, um, which is a tricky one for Dock. Um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss their, their high line with Pat coming soon. So let's not, let's not spoil our own show. Let's not like scoop ourselves. That'd be a bit unfortunate. Um, but they, they, uh, we've got Waterford and Dock as well, but yeah, it's true. Like, I mean, I suppose some of those other clubs, Pat's in particular, I suppose, Sliger Rovers as well, those clubs hoping that fourth and Pat's will have aspirations higher than fourth, but those clubs hoping for the security of fourth being good enough, won't be too happy to see Derry and Shamrock Rovers draw each other. You know, and then you're in a situation where, like one of one of the, the, the those teams is gone. You know, and if, if for some reason Waterford do a job on Dundalk, which isn't the underhands possibility, and it's Derry or Rovers, then suddenly, uh, uh, it becomes very pressurised. But um, that that Shells Bowes game is going to be a, it's going to be a fascinating, more fascinating than interesting, uh, the word that we normally use. But I think what we'll do now is Johnny, we will return to our show with the rest of the mailbag comments that were not rendered out of date by subsequent events. So, yeah, enjoy the rest of the show. Just, and our just, chat to, just to finish up on that, just Stephen O'Donnell was very respectful of Wexford and he, he definitely respectful of Walford. Walford have an extremely good attacking unit that will test that high line. And just finally on the Keith Long thing, there does seem to be a little symmetry in the death of Mikhail Gorbachev in terms of Bo's rather left leanings at the age of 91, just before we recorded our podcast. And as Dan says, let's go to the mailbag. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. A couple of references to Andy Lyons' sale price. I understand the fee is around 300 grand starting, so that's around 350k euro plus. Um, there'll be add-ons. And of course, is he going to be worth more? I think he probably will be. Is a good deal for Blackpool. It is. He was at Rovers for eight months. Um you know, they, they they paid one year's compensation basically to get him. So their their sort of return on you know the return on investment is considerable there and he did the value Compared of some of the Robert he scored. By somebody on Twitter, yeah. Yeah. So um I, I think from a you know a championship club who wouldn't be a moneyed championship club, 
yeah, you'd like it to be half a million, right? I think you would, but I'm not sure if it would be much more than half a million. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I suppose, yeah, Rossi about the O'Donnell high line. We will talk about that with Bat. Very Fanny. much so. Sorry, um, Bob, where would you rank Justin Farazai compared to other talents coming from the league in your time? Yeah, um, um, I, I, uh, I, I'm very fascinated by this kid. I think he's something a bit different about him. Um, and he's not slow like he's not lightning quick and i always do look at players like because i think that makes such a difference in terms of the top level or maybe slightly below that he's, he's he's not slow um and he's an unbelievable confidence in close control situations um i think idemo mako has a lot of work to do in terms of his first touch and i've, I've i was making that point at the game the other night um and that's so important, particularly, you know, as you develop in games where you're under the cosh as well. And Idemo's being mentioned, I think Justin's going to go a long way. I just think he's he has a bit of a star quality about him. We saw that with that shot, Dan, last week where he kind of fashioned it. That was actually a great move by Rovers, but um, I think he's yeah going to be very good. I think what's yeah. interesting is that interesting. There that, are a lot that, of number 10s in England. Bradley, yeah, exactly. And this is the problem with, like, you know wing backs or wingers or whatever doesn't need you, to be England you go over no you go over and there's loads of them um, I think he's a good agency he's signed up with or sort of a high enough profile agency so and he turns 18 next year which makes England a possibility what I thought was significant was that Andrade on Sunday where Andrade really put it up to Shamrock Rovers people who maybe didn't see it mm. didn't buy the game would see the result and Gary got, Deegan got man the match tomorrow so. Deegan was very good mm. they really put it up to him and at one all it looked like his Rovers could be unbothered but what was significant was that they turned to Farazai Anamaku as the mm. first sub was rather than say tell, you know. Jack Byrne played, but he brought on Farazai and that's a real sense of I think sometimes the like Rovers almost. over the years, and I, I did a piece in the Rovers Academy, we might speak about it. There would have been times where people would have thought are they just putting on young players for the sake of it here at times when like the game is over and trying to get appearances on the belt under the belt for a player and that's a, a view that would have existed outside the club and people would have said it but this was like no this is a cup tie this their season is about getting to the Aviva one big massive part of it and we shouldn't and be surprised like, by side, don't, you know, yeah. the point is that they did turn to him when it really because he's been, his performances have been yeah. so good he was man of the match at 17 the other night he's he's like an extremely good player already and uh I do, I do wonder, Dan. Like, I, I do genuinely wonder at the amount of kids of non-Irish descent, shall we say, who just have a technical quality that we don't seem to have. These like proper, uh, you know, Irish mother, Irish father. I'm like, we just, we just needed an influx of people from other parts of the world to make our kids better and it's happening and just yeah, no, it's three three Albanian kids in the one under 17 team is mad how many Albanians are there in Ireland I know Rocco Vata is a different example but Zefi and Ferjai Ferjai I love watching them I think and the thing about Shamrock Rovers in Europe in fairness if Jack Byrne is clicking into form which he is and uh, Idemo Maku Justin Ferjai Feruja coming in um, I think Rovers are going to be good to watch yeah, no, I think that's 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 it, and we're going to talk a lot about them in the in the months ahead. Jason Shannon, scandalous decision by Gavin Call for the send off Rory Keating in the Derry and Cork game. I haven't seen that decision mm, yet. I heard it was harsh, a contentious one because Mark Connolly, the player involved, has come out and defended uh, Keating. Um, another few references to the high line, and yes, there's a reference to. Um, Everton's interest in David Harrington of Cork um, spoke highly how, of him myself earlier this season. Well, that that was um, clear. That was that was why Everton got in touch. Yeah, how, how much actually. how much compensation would City be entitled to if he joins them in January as a free agent? Um, I'm told that the compensation that would be due um, would be upwards of. 
uh, oh, I, I, around three hundred. Well, for a Premier League club, because it's different categories when you go for a team like that, it could be around three hundred grand sterling ballpark. They could be entitled to. Um, maybe if it was a lesser status club, maybe around the two hundred mark. That seems to be what the some people who would know this stuff are saying. I don't see Everton are going to play that at all. Um, you are mocking the co-host there, but like in in the game I'm talking about, he just had this quality at crosses where you're like that lad just looks a bit. Different. I know it was just the way he said it. It was like Dave Henry. Mm. Well, I I spoke highly of him. Well, generally, it's all, it's generally, also, his dad was a goalkeeper. Generally, biscuits, no, and he was Welsh as well. Prompt. He's another player with a non-Irish than one half. Generally, just you know, you'd say, "Oh, listen, such and such." Pat Fenlon spoke highly of him, but in mm. this case, it was just, "Well, I spoke highly." Me of him. and goalkeeper, slightly different. It's like it's like quoting yourself. Already, Shepherd linked with Rovers as well. I no, see. That was just a tweet. Yeah. Yeah. He's been linked on Twitter. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. Let's go to Pat. Fennel. But I think I think it's like basically it's like putting your own reference as a footnote in your own thesis. If you know what I mean? Like, it's like <laughs> you know, uh, our, our producer Karen's just done his thesis. Reminds me an, of my thesis. This is a wonderful point, you know. Uh, and then it's like quote Jay Ward, and at the bottom, like you know, got your footnote and Jay Ward. You've just quoted yourself. Let's bring a Pat Fennel, who hopefully won't do that. Pat Fennel, how are you getting on? I'm great. Yourself? You weren't great this time last week. <laughs> that must have been tough to take. Oh, it's still um, still scratching the head. To be honest, it was uh, it was a hard night. It was a hard night. It felt for everybody, players, manager, staff, um, supporters. It was just it was so disappointing because we actually played really well um, and just didn't take our chances. And at the end of the day, at that level of football, you get punished, and we got punished and uh, harsh punishment. But um, you just have to move on and, and try and make sure that we're back in that situation next season, which is going to be difficult because. Obviously, everybody else is strengthening in the league, so it's and yeah. it's been a tough league for the last few seasons. Um, but at the club, I'm at, you've got to make sure that you're, you know, battling for league titles, and that's what we will do. What would like money like that have meant to Linfield? What would, what would you have people, done with it? People have asked me about that, but you know, at the end of the game, the money didn't even come into my head. Really? It's, it's the prestige of where you're going. Mm. You know, to be the first team from Northern Ireland to, to go into that, you know, group stage is to play against teams. You know, we've had that. We were in Zurich and we were in Bodo Glimp. They were brilliant. We, we we got beaten. We got beaten heavily and won. But the experience of there and, and seeing how them clubs run, you know, from from a money perspective, I mean, Linfield is well run financially. And we would have been throwing loads of money at the team. And we might have strengthened one or two places because we would have had so many games. But I think it would have allowed us to develop other areas of the club. And that's probably disappointing that from outside maybe people can't see but from my end of it would have been looking at you know the boys and girls academy how do we strengthen that or work in the community all that sort of stuff and which is which is vitally important for football clubs now it's an area where we've embarked on a fair bit of work we need to continue that and money helps to do that we just got to try find it somewhere else now unfortunately mm. um, but in saying that we made we made we made decent money from our, our run in Europe this year but it's just when you're so close I suppose you're so close you're a minute away from from getting to the group stages and, and the circumstances yeah, and I think from from like I said at the end of the game, money wasn't in my head. It was the disappointment and not keep going, be playing in Europe for for a bit longer, and like I said, going to some places, seeing how clubs work, pitting your wits against obviously better better sides and better players and better coaches, and how you can improve the clubs. So really disappointing, really really disappointing mm. for everybody. It's, it's mad, isn't it? That I suppose if we would have been talking in the two thousands, and obviously the competitions were different then. And you were like, you came as close mm. as any team did at that stage with Shells. I remember like when Rovers got into 2011, the thought of an Irish team being in the group stages was maybe a year or two before people mm. would have been sceptical. And you were like right at the vanguard at that mm. time with Bows and, and Red Bull and these little near misses. And now we're almost spoiled. Like we're, we're getting prepared for like a fourth group stage campaign, you know, with the, the Rovers, the Dundalk have had their two and this would be number four. Like 
and that's because I know that there's changes to yeah. the competitions that made it possible. But a couple of years back, Northern Ireland even lost the European place because the results were that bad. And, and we would have joked maybe on this show about managers missing game to go on holidays yeah. and a sort of a, a culture there that maybe Europe was not really the, the centre. Is there a sense that, that could, that's changing now? Do people believe well, that this opportunity can actually be now there for you to take rather than being this thing that other, other, other countries enjoy, which might have been the attitude here once? Well, you're, well. Hoping, you're hoping it's changing and it's work that we need to continue to do at the club because we're a big football club in the context of the, of, of the island and we, we need to... You know, we need to be at that table. That's where we need to be. We don't have outside investment into the club. You know, it's all coming through membership and obviously, you know, if we are successful in Europe. So we need to be there and we need to be serious about that. And the league needs to be serious about that. I still maintain, and this will be people in Northern Ireland listen to this, I still maintain if we were playing summer football, we, we wouldn't have lost either. We wouldn't have lost the 2-0 lead in Riga, I don't think. Um, because you, you, I got played at that level. You know, and and you know when you're we I think we'd won league game under our belt. We had played a few European games, but you're going in against teams that played 25, 26 league games. It's a massive difference. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a rake of changes late on in the game, and we had to because players were out on their feet. It was twenty nine degrees. You know, same the other night we made a lot of changes. Um, but I, I just think it's it's something that we've got to work on as a league and as a club because. The Conference League gives us a brilliant chance, whether that's Linfield or someone else from Northern Ireland, of making the group stages. And that's got to be the goal, not not to think, oh, we got close and we hit the post and we were unlucky. We should be challenging to be in them group stages. And if we're going to progress the league, we've got to be. It's as simple as that. Um, that competition. And to be fair, if you look at a club like RFS, to be in the group stage, brilliant for them. Mm. You know, how disappointing it was for us. But for them, it was brilliant. And you could see that on the night. They were they were ecstatic and rightly so to, to do it as they did, I suppose, so dramatic as well. Um, but I think going forward, we've got to have a look at see, you know, that's a, that's a goal for us. It's not something that uh, might be there. It's something we've got to say. We, we've got to be in that. In the next few seasons, we've got to be getting a team into the group stages of, of at least the Conference League. It's going to be difficult for any team from the island to get into the group stages of Champions League anymore. It's just yeah, just yeah. where it is. And it's it's. But what UEFA have done really well is this competition. And it gives us all hope and it gives us all a great chance but you have to approach it and approach it in a manner that you think that's where you should be. Not yeah. That's where you, you'd like to be, I hope to be. That's where we should be. As a club, we should be there. That would imply that summer football is a long way away, is it? I think so, yeah. I think I think there's probably um, reluctance to change to summer football in Northern Ireland. Um, it's a... Uh, it's 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 an interesting debate um, because you have the historical and, and, and certain games at certain times of the year but I've said it before and it's probably not a club position it's probably more my position and the club is I think it's a massive help when you go into Europe I don't, I don't like I've been involved as a player and as a manager and the difference with having so many games played under the belt to, to playing very little football going into competitive European games is, is night and day mm. Mm. like you do look at it like Balkany of Kosovo and Punic of Armenia and stuff I mean Shamrock Rovers were even third seeds it's sort of in the I think Linfield probably would have been as well if, mm. if, you'd, if you'd got through it's sort of the opportunities there I mean were you able to watch the draw on Friday and, and be interested well, in it was it even or? worse because then we drew uh, RFS drew hearts and I thought yeah they're lighting a crack at that again but um, oh, it, was, um, yeah. it was it was yeah. disappointing but like you say a few years ago we went to Geneva to play a qualifier in the preliminary round mm. you know so we ha- we have progressed as a club so you don't want to be overcritical but it's just we, we've we've set a, a benchmark for ourselves. We have our coefficient is really good at the moment. It's similar to Rovers. If we had a got through, I think we would have been seeded. So we've made improvements, and we but we need to continue to make improvements. And the goal should be to get to the group stages of that Conference League. 
you for us to do that again next season you've got to win a title yeah because realistically that's that's the way into it um and and again it's a challenge for us it's 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 a big challenge with with some of the other clubs in northern ireland the investment that's gone into them is big so but it's a good challenge and the league has been really competitive for the last three or four seasons so and I will be again this year. I was at the game against Carabag that time when you got so close, mm. and um, it's evident the league that there's a bit of a I think there's a bit of a partitionist mindset in the country with football. But you see some of the players that are going to the league, to the Irish league mm. as well. It's clear that like and there's definitely a buzz around it. I know. Listen, the league has improved in the four years I've been there. The the, the standard of the league has improved, but you have to you have to keep driving that. You can't mm. think oh we hit the post. We we're close against Carabag. We we're close against RF. You have to keep driving that to say. Close is not good enough, and we now Maybe. need to, with the new competition. We now need to be in the group does, stages. Does it, now, can you see the attitude though? Some I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans in the, in Northern Ireland did not want Linfield to go through. Because, yeah. but can you? Wh- what's your attitude towards Shamrock Rovers? If you're like a, a fan of somebody else, like do you see this as a really good thing for Irish football? Do you see this as Rovers just pulling away, and you know the Rovers are on the cusp of winning the league again? Um, and this is before they get all the money that they're going to get this yeah, year. Yeah, but that, that's 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 you know, in fairness, that's that's work that Rovers have done over a period of time. That's where they wanted to be. Their structures are set up to do that. So, mm. there's no one should be critical of Shamrock Rovers for being league champions or for progressing in Europe. We should be pl- applauding them for that and lauding them for that. And 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 hopefully they they go into the to the group stages and put up a, uh, you know because what what it does and people have to realise this as well. By one by one team, it opens the avenue for other clubs in the league. You know, it, it, it people even around the spot, and that's a big thing at Linfield. Even around sponsorship, we were able to get into the group stage of European competition. It means there's more interest in the game. There's more people want to come to the game. You know, people that don't normally come are looking, thinking, "What's going on there?" They've you know gone into Europe and Rovers the same. So. It's up to other people to follow and try chase Rovers. They, they, they never, you know, Rovers are a big, big club and they've got big backing, uh, big support, big financial backing. But you don't give up because of where they are. You have to. Mm. They've set a benchmark now for for other teams, and someone's got to take that up and say, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try catch them." Um, because it has to benefit the league. The last thing we need is Rovers winning the league for eight, nine, ten years in a row. That's that's the last this thing we need. It. But you're looking at it at the moment, and and we've seen this before where. We thought, oh, shells will dominate, cork will dominate, draw will dominate, because it doesn't work that way. You know, the thing for Rovers is now, is how do they keep developing that? How do they make themselves better? Um, yeah. And that's always a challenge when you're in that position, I've been in that position of shells and bows, is how how do you improve? How do you make yourself better? I think in fairness, like Dan, Dan's piece on the Academy and the Independent on Monday um, is worth talking about because... These are proper structures, Dan, that are, they're, these are good things. I mean, I think this is a really important development and other clubs will follow, I feel. Well, I mean, I suppose Pat mentions the finance, though. I mean, mm. other clubs need to be able to, to to sort of take the risk, I suppose, and, and like... Hope uh, Gavazuna turns up. Well, yeah, like, I mean, the Rovers Academy, I mean, this is established, like, I mean, it was, it was making, it was losing money. Like, mm. it was losing money, you know, for years, and it's still, there's still at that sense of, like, they have loans to be repaid to people who... You know, helped the sort of the the thing to get off the ground. So, like, it's this is the thing. Yes, you'd love other clubs to follow. Of course, you would. But I mean, they don't necessarily have the opportunity to do that in some cases. Um, yeah, I, I did do a piece on it because it's the sort of thing that people will say, like, well, you know, they've got this three million quid or three point six million or whatever it is now. You know, where does it go? What's going on with the academy? And sort of check in. I wasn't 100%. I knew they were doing it, some kind of transition year thing, but the fact now they're doing, mm. what, 21, 
transition year students and a full time year boys and girls four girls for the first time I think the mm. women's side of the club is something that I think you're going to watch that it's going to take off as well too mm. um, very quickly I think you know in the next period of time so I think there's a lot going on there what I found interesting in the context of um, you know where Irish football is at and the debates we've had the where where kids are from even in the academy like there's yeah, that was kids from Waterford Wexford Dundalk you know Leash um, which wasn't really the when people talk about the underage national leagues and maybe when people would have been mm. critical of how things existed before where like people travelling from Sligo to play for Belvedere at, at DDSL level like people would have been uh, saying this isn't this isn't healthy and we need to set up these underage national leagues where people can play for their local club but actually what you're seeing is that Rovers are becoming that super club in that sort of even in that underage piece um, and it's great for them and it gets terrific for them but it sort of points to the, the broader point of like their dominance I think they're now probably set up to be I, I think I don't know if their whole model would like be in bother if they didn't win the league for a season Um but obviously, you know, they, 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 they still have to keep pushing on as well too. And I do agree, like sometimes we predict dominance for eight, nine, ten years and then Stephen Bradley could leave. I mean, Stephen Bradley nearly left. I've made this point in the show before. Like Bradley nearly left earlier in the season. He'd signed every player at the club. You know, things can change. Andy Lyons is, is gone now. They're going to have a big schedule to the end of the season. There's a lot of variables and factors that can change it, but it does seem... I mean, yeah. you, were, you were there at the transition sort of phase when the club was probably trying to make plans for the future and I don't know what you make of what they're doing at the just moment just briefly before you come in Paz, well, their, their underage results this weekend were quite striking the 17s beat Derry 4-0 the under 15s beat Pats 7-0 and the under 14s beat Goey United 9-1 just I, I thought yeah. that was really striking seven, no, I should say the 17s and the 19s aren't Dominant at that age, yeah. They're, they're going shells, are, yeah. shells are, are top of the tree. It's well, the, the under 14, the, the under 14 one really piqued me because last season Rovers didn't like win it, but this season their 14s are extremely strong. And for an under 14 team from Galway to be beaten 9 1, I'm like, that is mad. And this isn't a, an unusual thing at that level necessarily, but yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think you know, the, the, the following Rovers are a different mindset, you know, it, that doesn't mean everybody has money to throw at it, but there's different ways. Of running your club and trying to, you know, have strong underage structures. You know, Rovers is a completely different model to say Bowes. Bowes is a, is a model of trying to get young players into the first team. Rovers have struggled to get young players into the first team. You know, and that's if you look at Rovers senior team, it's an aging team, it's an old team, it's very experienced team. There's not many young players around it. Um, so maybe the model, until now, yeah, yeah. And if you look at maybe and and again, it's the results that the fourteens strong, their seventeens and nineteens are okay. I've seen a little bit in this year. How many of them are going to make the step up? So it, there's a different model with Rovers. They 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 seem to be a lot of good young players that are maybe going to move abroad. They've struggled to get them into their first team because the demand of success for Rovers is that they win they win the league and and where the likes of Bowes and other Pats it's a different model for them so you don't need to throw loads of money at what you need to have is proper structures proper good coaches that are, can develop the players and bring them on as players and on, on as individuals to try progress them into the team so you know I've spoke to the people at, at Rovers in regard to this that it's it is the, unless they're really exceptional like a Bazunu that you know they put him into the team. If you look at many since him, the young boy now, one try is a very very talented player. But there hasn't been loads in him, so it's trying to get that balance right, right for Rovers. You know, that 
that they're developing players to go further afield, which is <laughs> absolutely brilliant because the revenue from that is 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 different class. They've brought in some players from outside that have been developed at other clubs yeah. and have sold them on. Andy Lyons, and Danny Andrew. So there's there's different models. Yeah, there's different mm-hmm. models Kevin for Kevin wasn't yeah. there to yeah. parties. This is a contentious, but now I know they are very excited about. I think their current like the 2009 group, which I think is it like. Uh, Aaron Green and Graham Barrett and a few people are involved and they've been exceptional and they would say in response to what you're saying there well give it three years time and we'll see how many of these are knocking on the door but it's very true like the best ones could be going to Europe at 16 I mean, yeah of course this is something it's, 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 it's a different model now it's opened yeah. it's opened because of the way the Brexit situation has gone it's opened up to a much you know broader um base of players yeah. travelling travelling not just to the UK to play football but for the field which is brilliant because if we're developing players, whether that's at Rovers or somewhere else, to go and play in these b- bigger leagues, that means you're hoping they're coming back at international level when they are developed to be to be top top players. So uh, that's only going to benefit us as a, as a nation. Could, could I just say, like, I, mean, I did that piece the other day, and I would have had contact, you know, contact from various people. I'm not going to say necessarily who, but there's people obviously around the the fringes of the FAI and Sib Two Wing and stuff who'd be very big on the idea of say a national academy as opposed to empowering individual clubs with the like because you know you manage at the league in a time where like the first team was very much it and we always had this discussion yes we need to spend money on youth structures and stuff but it wasn't really the responsibility of the clubs at that stage we had a very different sort of ecosystem with Mm. the UK and stuff like what is your sense of what needs to happen like you say clubs can do their things but in terms of like a I don't know a, a broader strategy for what we do in the next well, decade listen I think these de- them results are, are not good for football in the country if, you know when I've seen over the period of times teams getting beaten 8, 9, 10 even, even yeah. bigger scores in the National League that can't be good for the game that can't be good for young players like oh we're getting beaten 9-1 by Rovers you know that's that may be good for Rovers um, but it's actually not good for Rovers players neither. And I know from talking to our own academy and even from talking to some of the lads at Rovers, you know, we're trying to take our younger players away to play games and Rovers are doing the same. We're actually playing each other the yeah. time as well. So because you want to get more competitive football. So it's trying to tr- find the balance. We, we, we had this about developing the National League under age structures. You know, for me, the best team should be playing against the best teams. And when this was all brought up at the very start, that was the whole concept of it. The best players will play against the best. That's not happening. You know, that's not happening on a regular basis because you see, you know, some of the clubs that just can't compete at that level. It's the same. It's the same right across football, isn't it? Where you see a big gap between certain clubs. So for for the likes of the better players at, at some of the bigger clubs, to be winning eight and nine nil is not. There's no benefit in that. There's absolutely not for both sets of players for as the teams parent, that are getting like, beaten and for the teams totally. that are winning. As a parent, like, can you sympathise with parents in Wexford who want to send their kid to Shamrock Rovers? I, I don't. There's something about that that's. I just doesn't sit easy with me. I mean, we had a situation in Galway. I remember where there was a parent cutting on Shamrock Rovers trying to move a player up. Mm. I was like, this doesn't really make sense to me. Like, it's also it's almost like taking a kid out of school as well. Yeah, well, listen, it, that, that's, you know, that's up to a parent at the end of the day. You can't blame any club for, for trying to get the best players into no, the club. No, I'm not blaming the club, actually. Just the parent, yeah. like, should, 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 should you not be trying to develop a player locally? Yeah, well, maybe if, if, if they feel that they can be developed locally, mm. that's where they will go. If they feel they can't, well, then that might be a parent saying, well, I'm going to take him somewhere else where I think he'll be de- developed better. So, but again, that's a bigger structure, isn't it? That's that's what I'm saying. It, it, this, this structure of the underage system, the concept of it was really good, but... 
you know when you see games like that and I've seen a bit of them over the last few weeks and the last few months should I say and, and there's there is, there is a big gap in certain games and certain teams I told you so it, it's that 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 won't be good going forward like I said it's not going to benefit the, the, the better teams or the better players and it's mm. certainly not going to benefit I, the I, young kids are getting I think if, in, fairness, in fairness I think the, the League of Ireland underage they're trying to, to make it as kind of equal as possible but it was interesting Peter Fitzpatrick good friend of the show um, gave me a lift back from the game on uh, Thursday and he was so proud that his grandson is playing for Rovers under either eights or nines and I'm just like Imagine being trained at that level at under eight, under nine, and the, if you're getting good yeah, but, coaching, but Johnny, I, I, and there's so many players then that'll be filtered out towards. Yeah, it, but listen, that's been going on for that's been going on for fifty years. That's not just happening. Uh, not at League of Ireland level. No, not at League of Ireland level. That's what I'm saying. But it's mm. been going on at you know clubs in Galway, clubs in Cork, clubs in Dublin, clubs in wherever. It's been mm. going on. You know, this is not a big new concept. That we've developed some of the best players in the world through our schoolboy system. Mm. You know, or some sorry in Ireland through our schoolboy system. So. It's been going on, to be, you know, it's it's now League of Ireland, so it's probably getting a little bit more publicity, but we had, I don't say super clubs, but the likes of Belvedere and Kevins have developed players for a long, long time, mm. you know, and, and right across down to Dublin orientated this, but that's been, that's been happening, mm. you know. You know, it, one of the complaints was, like you said, kids were travelling from all over to go and play for the bigger clubs in Dublin. Teams are getting hammered every week. That hasn't changed. That's still happening, even though it's National League. So it's trying to get the balance right. And you don't want to be overcritical because the concept is really good. It's how we, and again, you know, there's no real finance support for this neither for a lot of the clubs. You know, Rovers have, you know, money coming in and that, and that's brilliant. But some of the other clubs, you know, you've got you've got four or five underage teams as well as your senior first team. That's a big expense for, I think for clubs. If the if the league could lobby the government, because um, I was really striking to talk to a fellow in the bookmaking industry recently, and he was saying in certain betting shops, horse racing would take give or take about eight or nine percent of turnover. And all of the money from horse racing is effectively um, all of the money from betting is going into horse racing. That will change. That and I think that'll definitely. Well, that's change. there's no doubt that that's that's the recurring topic that keeps coming up. And actually, it's gone a bit quiet on that front in the last while. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's stuff going on in the background. I know there's like bigger things have been going on in the country, and then you know, in the broader sense, that probably to accelerate this, there is no doubt. And then this is why I asked the question. Like part of the debate seems to be, do you just you know, if you secure an amount from the government, do you just divide it by 20 and give it to like 20 clubs? You know, is that the best way to do it? Like, you know, is it a smaller number of clubs? But how do you decide that? Is it regional, yeah. is it regional academies? Because obviously they have the club NI in, uh, in Northern Ireland, which sort of, which does geographical reasons probably, which makes it easier to manage that. Hmm. If you, if you, like, this is my issue, like people talk about National Academy here, but then obviously you'll have that in Dublin probably need one in Cork or Galway or whatever. Mm. So there's there's layers to the whole thing. I mean, what the the interesting thing about Rovers is that they're probably now in the position where they're 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 probably given full-time sort of deals or the, the transition I think to like to not just the two or three select players that they want to maybe mm. they're they're sort of doing it with more players, you know, now and that's the next step in the women's stuff. So there is stuff happening there that like that's new, you know, in terms of that age group, to, they're going to have a lot of uh, players on their umbrella, like full time around the club, sort of yep. five days a week. But obviously only a handful of them are going to come through. If even like mm. at, at Rovers level and they, they actually mm. be dispersed. It's a weird one. Like Rovers can end up being a version of like UCD where people talk about the ex-UCD players. that are Shane Robinson league. mentioned that in your opinion. Yeah, so. like, there's, like, you know, there's going to be loads of ex-Rovers players potentially you know, spread around. Well, if you've these really is. good academies from nine up, a lot of them are not only not going to play for Shamrock Rovers, they're not even going to end up playing the League of Ireland. 
Yeah, well, it's twofold, isn't it? Like yeah. I said, the, the model at Rovers is twofold because they've got that model of the better players will always go away and leave, mm. whether that's playing League of Ireland or playing schoolboy football. That they will go, and then it's trying to bring players through in into the first team. Um, they look like they have a genuine conveyor belt at the moment because if you look at even if they replace even if Andy Lyons goes, Faruja can go left wing back. Danny Mandrew has gone. Ferryja is coming in in his position. Kind of, they do seem to have players coming in for anyone that's going, give or take. Yeah, but what they've done well is they've they've recruited some of the better young players or other clubs because they can, mm. and that's that's mm. unfortunate for for the mm. likes of Bowes in this circle. And you know that's you know, if you look at Mandrew, you look at Andy Lyons. You know the two really good players. They come into Rovers and all of a sudden they're gone. The one criticism I'd have along this season, um, if we're being kind of easy on Long, has which has been the accusations that he's met so many signings that a lot of these clearly would not work out. Like I I don't know if they're putting in enough kind of like I don't know due diligence yeah. they've met so many signs I think the one thing you look at this year and you think well they've, so, they've signed so many players in the first transfer window and they've signed a lot of players again mm. in this transfer window and that's a concern because you're saying well if you brought these players in at the start you shouldn't need to replace that many when you're coming into July, June, July the dress room as well a bit hasn't it um, I don't know whether I, I, like I think the massive turnover won't help because you're, you're looking, you, you're bringing in new players, you bring in one or two or three, you're trying to get them to gel into how you play or your philosophy or what way you, you work as a manager. When you're bringing in big numbers twice, that's difficult to be mm. able to, to be able to make sure they're all fitting into the bill. And I think that's where the, the question marks or the criticism will be is we shouldn't be bringing that many players in mm. two separate transfer windows. Yeah, I think like last winter was, with all the managerial changes and stuff, there was a lot going on and, the Bows one slipped under the radar. I think they missed a lot of targets. You know, a lot of players they mm. went they went for you know, they they, they went for other clubs. Why you know? would that have been? Well I think I mean well it's no coincidence really that they're changing to morning training next mm. year, is it? You know, that they were and I know that you know, money can obviously make a lot of things work or whatever. So I mean players were t- players weren't not talking to them. Like, you know, good players were talking to them. They obviously weren't put off by the idea of training in the evening, but still when it came down to it. Um, it's funny like when I when I worked in Satanta way back in the day when you used to be uh, involved in Satanta Cup and all that the shifts were seven in the morning nine ele- and eleven and the last one was um, three to eleven and everyone hated the evening shift everyone wanted to work in the morning I think there's an element of that as well you want to you want if you're a fresh footballer I wouldn't fancy training in the evening and then have but I think it's more I've I've heard this I mean I think players are realizing as well I mean it's, when you think about it, it's pretty. Like, if you train on a Thursday morning or you train on a Thursday evening, I mean, who's got more recovery time between then and your match on, on really, the Friday? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is it. Like, you know, they're, they're, they are changing for a reason. I mean, it is going Yeah, I think it's way. difficult for Bowers at the moment is because they're in a situation where, you know, the, the, the club is really well structured. You know, yeah. that they're, and they're last night, it was a brilliant crowd again and really good atmosphere in the place until the last few minutes. Um, but there are a point where they've developed the club, the, off the pitch, they're really strong. The, the stadium now is starting to move. We've seen that, you know, again last night. It's good to see the terrace sort of half knocked down, even though it didn't look right. But you know, there's something's Something happening. Happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the club is in a really strong position. And now you're looking at that, that, that they have been competitive over the last few seasons. They haven't won anything, but they've been competitive. Now they're they're sort of they're struggling a little bit, you know, and 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 that's the dilemma for them, isn't it? How do we take this to the next step? Do we go full time? Have we got the resources to do that in the in the bigger picture, long term? Maybe they have financially now they're in a much stronger position, so they're looking at how they progress the club. So it's trying to get that balance right is difficult, you know, because I've been at Bowes and we threw money at it and it, and it cost the club, you know. So you have to be really prudent in how you do that, and and it's trying to find that balance of 
can we compete? It's going to be hard to compete with Rovers. Mm. Um, Bowes fans will always probably look at Rovers and think that's where we want to be. That's who we want to beat. But at the moment, that's difficult. But they need to progress the club. And it's probably progressed off the pitch, probably gone backwards slightly on the pitch. And that's a dilemma for them. How do you bridge that gap and how do you get that right? I, I think like, the, the stadium and everything comes into it. I mean, like they're turning people away every Absolutely. week. Like they could have 5,000 crowds at the moment, I think. And think of how much revenue that's... Like you talk about how you compete, and maybe this is where some of the frustration Bose fans will come from, that they'll see they potentially have a fan base that we be, would be comparable to Rovers. They're north side, you know, they have a good area, they're tapping into it. I know Shells have had a bit of a, mm. a bit of a revival, but they have a lot of the, the elements in place, and yet, you know, now they just they, they, they just see themselves falling off the pace. Like it's it's going to take maybe like the stadium thing is going to take a couple of years. That's you know that's obviously going to give them. I think the club is going to is they've still got good people working off the mm. park. That I don't think they're going to drop the momentum in terms of their off the park stuff. But they obviously have to be careful too. Like if you have if you have another season like yeah, because supporters want season. to follow a successful team. Yeah. You know, Bowes is a different model to Rovers completely. And like you say, Rovers getting five, six, seven thousand at certain games, and and that revenue stream from that is a big season ticket holders. Bowes can probably I'm not whether they can match it or not is is up for debate. You maybe debate that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it but they can certainly get very very close to it. You know, and and it is a dilemma for them where you know they play Rovers on Friday. They're probably turning a couple of thousand people away that yeah. could easily get into the ground. That's big revenue over the course of a season, and that probably happened on a few occasions this year for them where they've had to turn people away. And that's what I'm saying. It's they're in that little crossroads now at the moment that, you know, we want to push on. Yeah, absolutely. We're developing a stadium. You know, we've got a good infrastructure. The club is set up really well, but the team is struggling a little bit at the moment. So it's trying to find that balance. They can yeah. always bring out another jersey. And <laughs> what you make it? What you make it a race for second, Pat? I mean, and we are calling it a race for second because we were we're assuming that Rovers are are over the hill and far away. It is mad though, I was looking at it last night, I, I had my match report written, of course, and talked back in the 89th minute, uh, and then Derry score, but it was like, my point was, I mean, Derry 11 out of 27 draws, they've lost the same number of games as Shamrock Rovers, they've both lost four Five, games, four. Four, four games each. Um, now as it happened, they won, so it was like 10 draws and, and whatever. Um, but there is that sort of, you speak to Ray Higgins after, and he's very much like, you know, if you turn those draws into wins. If it were or, two points for a win, I'm just saying. He, he said, if, he said if, <laughs> if, if Michael Duffy was available all season, what would the gap be? So that point is, what do you make of the, the chase and pack, the, the, the quality of them? There is an interesting one as well, because notoriously for years, going to Brandywell was obviously difficult. They've struggled at home. Their, their home form has been disappointing this year. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know. I haven't spoken to really for a, for a while. Um... I think Derry are the best of the rest. That's me. What I've seen of it so far, I think Derry are the best of the rest. I think Dundalk have done well to be where they are. I think, uh, I think there's there's very little of a gap between the rest, but I think Derry are slightly ahead of 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 the rest in there. And I'd agree if Duffy was available, uh, McElhenney had been available. I think that they'd have probably won more games. I still don't think any of them are anywhere near Rovers. To be honest, I think Rovers really? are. Yeah, I think Rovers have. I think they've they. I think they've they've been comfortable this year. I don't think they've ever in the league got into their stride. I think last weekend's Dundalk they flexed their muscles a little bit. Um, but I, I've, up, head to head, Derry been very very good against Rovers. Like, yeah, but head to head is all right, and it's yeah. a one off game. Mm. It's consistency. Rovers, I think Rovers are miles ahead at the moment. I really do. I think they're a long way ahead of the rest. Um, I think, like I said, I think Derry are the best of the rest. Um, I think there's very little between, and and it, it shows. You're looking at some of the results. Even shells, shells be disappointed where they are at the moment because I think they'll feel they should be higher in the league table. Bowes may be thinking the same, 
but it's that consistency there's a lack of consistency with some of these teams where rowers are fairly consistent even so they've lost a few games this year rowers which surprised me um, but I, I think they've been very very comfortable um, did, we've had a few comments about the dog and did you see that Shamrock Rovers the dog game I'm trying I, to I didn't see it all no I didn't see it all but, but the general sense is that the dog played this very high line in the yeah. match and Stephen O'Donnell has come out and spoken about it afterwards um, you know, he says well this is how we play you force your will in the game and this is what you do now they've they've had a sending off in Sligo Rovers last night again with Daryl Lee again it's the high line he's, he's the covering man I think it probably is a red card looking at it because it's, it takes a couple of seconds for other players to come into the picture what so, happened in it sorry so I'm not sure if you've seen no. this sorry so it was a Levac the Estonian um, sort of a ball over the top he was going through and goal Lee he covers he sort of falls on the ball and handballs it maybe he's trying to fall on it and like not use his hand but mm. anyway it's a controversial red card because he was just inside in his half and mm. the player is a long way to travel. But the response we've had in our mailbag from some Dundalk fans is more so, it's this high line again. So how do you feel about the concept of their, how they're trying to play? Because they don't have particularly quick defenders. I think when you're playing a high line and Stevie's probably saying he wants to go and press the ball, there has to be a time and a place to press the ball. If there's no pressure on the ball, you can't press the ball. That again, leaves yeah. you vulnerable because someone picked their head up and, and stick a ball over the top. Pa- boasted a little bit last night at all, played played fairly high and took a little bit of a gamble because, you know, Pats were quick at the top end of the pitch. So it's, it's if, if it's the, I think if you're going to, if you're going to play and you want to press high up the pitch, you've got to have pacey defenders because that one ball can sort of mm. take you out of the game and, and it's probably happened to them a few don't, times. Don't, don't. They, they do not have a pacey back four. It's simple no. as. Like, so it's interesting. Maybe you're one of, that's your philosophy long term, but they don't have, but, um, yeah. and as as Dan mentioned, they've had a fair few red cards as well. But what I would say is, you could another thing about the knock, you could talk about the high line or you could talk about the record without Huben because mm. Cause mm. he got injured mm. um, and you know, their results without him have been poor. And I mean, he's also probably setting a degree of tone further up the park as well too, which yeah. is sort of a, it wouldn't strike you as like he's a pressing machine or anything, but he is sort of, he's got a presence. Right? Well, I think so, what he is, he's clever as well in his press. Yeah. I think that's, that's he, he, he knows the game, Patrick. He, he's able to, you know, put players into areas where he's comfortable to go and press the ball, you know, we're on the wrong side, we're not on the wrong foot. So he's clever that way. And that's the difference you know, we're pressing for the sake of pressing. We want to press the ball high, but if you don't press it properly and you're out, you allow defenders to get out because once they beat the pressure, you're in trouble. So it's trying to get that balance right at him. Stevie probably has in his head, I want to play high foot tempo football. I want to go and press the ball. But like you say, I have to have the players to go and do that and to be mm-hmm. able to say, right, well, we want to go and press the ball, but we've got to be tight at the back or we've got to have a little bit of cover at the back or we've got to have a goalkeeper who's happy enough to be, you know, come out and sweep. Mm. So it's trying to get all the balances right. And I think Dundalk have done all right this year where they are in the league. I think for me, they probably overachieved. That's been mm. honest with you. I'm not, I'm not, I think they're, they're in a position that I think they've done quite well to be there. Um, it'll be interesting the, 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 the battle for second um, because I, I feel Derry are probably better equipped than the rest going forward to the rest of the season um, and I'd expect them to be second you wonder about the home form like Derry I mean they've got Patching and he's been injured he's back Diallo from City I mentioned him the Patching mm. earlier I don't think like the pitch helps I, that's exactly what I was going to say and this bit yeah. this is the bit that amazes and this again here's me rant for the day if we're going to allow it's only quarter Ast- past 11 <laughs> past <laughs> if we're going to allow Astro pitches in the League of Ireland they must have a watering system they yeah, must have a walk yeah. system. I'm amazed. I, I see some of the games at, at Oriel and at and, and the Brandywell on a lovely summer's night and I'm thinking, oh my God, it'd be a disaster to play in. Mm. The pitch is so dry. And I, I don't think that, uh, and maybe I'm way off the mark and Rowdy will probably pull me up on this, but I don't think the pitch helps 
Derry. I think you know the game is slow and and they do want to play. You know his teams want to be high and and move the ball quickly. Um, and I don't think it helps. I have to be honest. Don't yeah, think it helps. We, we live in a, we live in a country with a relatively stable climate. We don't need astro pitches. Like we, it's not like oh well, listen, that's a different area. Well, Brian, Clough, Brian Clough was saying football wasn't designed to be played in the clouds, so keep the ball on the ground. Football was not but, to be designed designed to be played on a fake pitch. It was designed to be Johnny, played Johnny, on grass. Johnny, Johnny, but I, I mean, I do agree with the concept. But I did listen to an interview Martin Conley at Dundalk Gav recently, where he spoke about the, the the number of underage teams they have at the mm. club. Pat referenced teams the teams mm. need to put out now. So if you've like say four underage national league teams to maybe uh, women's underage 17s, mm. 19s and a senior team they all have to train never mind play and that's um, wrecking the that, pitch that, as well that's, well that's the issue it's wrecking yeah. a grass pitch but in an astro, wreck, wreck, yeah. in an astro you, can, you can use it's easier to accommodate mm. them all um, and this is the problem I mean I, this is my point about the Derry pitch the Derry the, 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 the other Riga that they played in the European game I mean I turned it on and I was like Oh my god! Like the pitch was dreadful. There was an issue with watering that night where they couldn't, for some reason, water. I think we mentioned it on the show previously. They weren't able to water mm. before the game because mm. you needed to do it at half time or something. And there was something to do with the council owner. Anyway, I don't really know the specifics of it, but I think it is killing them. Like Higgins, the last night was on about their great record in Dublin. They have an mm. amazing record in Dublin this season. It's probably because in some cases they're playing on better pitches than they are at home. Now I will say the flip side is think of the state that Sligo was in at the start of the season. As mm. a grass pitch, you know, and at that time we were probably we were thinking, oh, maybe maybe these Astros aren't so bad, you know, because some of the maintenance. I was in Talca last night, um, and there's little patches of of grass there that aren't looking. Terrific. In May, so, in May, yeah. Terryland had over forty games on it. Yeah, <laughs> and I was looking at the pitch, and Noel Connolly is he's kind of well known in the area for how well he. Over forty, so there's obviously uh, with 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 the underage and the women's game coming in, there is definitely an issue here. But football was not designed to be played on AstroTurf, and I still no, don't think. I also think Pat, like longer term players' injuries, I don't think yeah. they have any idea what this. It's not natural. They, there's not the given it is not natural. I find my knees are in bits from Astroid, and I don't even play football once a month anymore. And I, as a as a professional footballer who trains on it and plays in it, God knows. I think I think that there's there's two arguments on this. I think. Daniel's right in relation to some of the clubs, you know, the finances are having to find facilities mm. for all these teams. Um, and there's a revenue stream as well for clubs. They can they mm. can rent it out and bring in revenue. So I get that. But if, if we're going to do I, I'm, I'm totally against it. I'm aggrieved. I don't think in their national league we should have any Astro mm. pitches because I don't think there's any need for them. Um, but I also see, you know, it can be a revenue stream for clubs that will help if it's going to help develop, you know, well then there's an argument for it. But if we're going to, if we're going to have them you know, if you, if you, if you go across, we we played in, bring it up, we played in Bodo this year and got, and got absolutely that, yeah. tumped. But the pitch was astro- it was fantastic. It was like it was soaked, and I mean soaked, and the ball just zipped around. Unfortunately mm. for us, we couldn't get near them. But that you know, that's what I'm saying. If, if we're gonna do it, let's do it properly. You know, it, there's no there's no. I don't think there's any sprinkler system in Oriel or or the Brandywell. I might be wrong. Um, no, in Oriel yeah. that would be up there. They wheel them out and they. It's a token gesture, as far as I can see, and that's not being critical of the the groundsman, aren't? Because that's where he has to work with. But if we're building, if we're going to allow them, make sure they're 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 how they're many are yeah. in the Premier Division up in the north now? I think it'd be about four or five. Mm. They yeah. used to they used to water one half, I think, in the dock, wasn't it? At times, um, <laughs> but like, I think it was it was mentioned to me like Shamrock Rovers, for example, in the Conference League, Molda is a Astro Jurgardens mm. Astro as well. Yeah. Like the well there's a reason there, isn't there? In yeah. fairness, I think I think the reason for 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 having them in Ireland is probably financial. Where there yeah. is a revenue stream, it's easier for your teams to train. So I get that argument. 
But if you're going, if we're going to, if we're going to pass them, and they are available in the, in the in the senior league, and the same in the north of Ireland, make sure they're off the standard that they they should be. That the game doesn't suffer because of it. Well, when, I, I when, when, say, Noel, when Noel when Noel Connolly like Terryland down the years has been an unbelievable pitch. Mm. I remember, who was I talking to that was playing for St Francis recently? And we're on about like my memories of going to Baldon was geez that pitch looks unbelievable, and as a kid I was like I'd love to play on that I'd love to play in that pitch it was like a carpet and when the groundsman in Galway is more or less kind of saying we probably do need to at least discuss the notion of an astro pitch now I'm just like oh no no well, no maybe, that's maybe, where we're at maybe the yeah, grade, just overuse isn't it oh, too many games maybe the grading of astro pitches will feature in this mm, stadium this, this stadium audit I was I was in Talca last night with a pole blocking my view of one of the goals and I was like I can't wait for this League of Ireland stadium audit that they've spoken about because at the start of the year there was all this talk about like you know make reports about various facilities at grounds and stuff and gosh you're in Drawed on Sunday and I mean as I said great atmosphere and really great mm. vibe it feels like you're picking on them and Conor Hoy's been on admitted it like he's they're embarrassed by it sometimes you're thinking God how much better the league could be if you just got yeah, this 10 Windsor Parks got this stuff but there's right. so there's there's so like you, you're touching on pitches you're touching on facilities stadiums like there's so much you know there's so much revenue needed to bring the league up yeah. to the standard mm. we needed in and a country again, where we can't get anything done yeah, and, and, and unfortunately our association are struggling as well financially, mm. so it's I'm not sure it's going to change too quickly. Fixtures no. at the weekend, Dan. I think we're at that point. Yes. Um, Derry City versus UCD, Dundalk versus Shelburne, Bohemians versus Shamrock Rovers. Will you be at that, Pat? Are you up north? No, I'll probably, I'll probably be in Daily Mount on Friday night, yeah. You'll have probably. to be on the guest list. It's sold out. <laughs> Pat's, uh, Pat's V. Finn Harps and uh, Saturday Sligo Rovers. Um, Versus Drada, yeah, I haven't mentioned I haven't mentioned the cup last weekend, Dan. What a grim, grim night! I'm Terry amazed Lance. you haven't gone. I, I, I thought you were going to lead off on that. Going United don't play this, so they've even another week. So essentially, just this free goal. It was a two-all draw. I have to say, I didn't didn't think that much of UCD. If they, if you're talking about the gap of Premier, you know, going United probably should have won the game in some respects, but just gave away. Matt Connor. Spilt the ball on the ground with three minutes to go, and Matt Connor had come in. I felt very sorry for him because it was just one of these things. But ah, oh, screams down to the playoffs now for Galway United. John Caulfield talking about blooding new players uh, between now and then. Wexford, Watford, Treaty Cove, Cork City, Longford Town, Brayathlone. Uh, the the main battle now in the first division is for fifth, as far as I can see. Everything else is sort of incidental. Cork are going to win the league. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I. I've Listen, have you have you are you officially declaring it's over? Oh, it's one hundred percent over. Yeah, um, it would be good to have. I mean, Cork will be it, back. Yeah, it would be good to have Cork back. I mean, you do miss the, like not having a monster team in the Premier League. No, absolutely. Year is I crazy. think the Cork coming back would be a big, big, big boost to the league. Absolutely. Yeah, and they uh, they lost in Derry, but seem to acquit themselves quite well. And uh, seven points ahead. Going United do have to play them at home, but superior goal difference and all of that. Dan. Yeah, so I think I think we're done, really, aren't we? Yeah. What are you doing Sunday night? <laughs> Boy, yeah, we've. Uh, I think we can we can get you as an honorary guest, maybe for all your appearances. Um, uh, where our live show is on Sunday night in Lost Lane. So yeah, bring bring uh, bring someone from the north. Oh, we've got table. we've actually got Chris Shields on the show. So mm. uh, oh, you have one. That, uh, yeah, yeah. give you a lift home. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Pearl Chris now is like you know. I'm sure he's he's. I think you were in contact with him, Johnny, and he's, he's feeling the defeat in the same he way. He said it was his worst night, nice, his worst experience him, in football. I spoke to him after the game. Mm. He was devastated. Was he know? off the pitch when the yeah, goal went yeah. in? Yeah. Um, so Chris Shields is there, Dave Webster. We've got Owen Doyle. The and a special guest. To be, um, to be confirmed. But um, yeah, we should mention as well our tickets. The, if, you, if you want to find the link to buy the tickets, we have a 
paste it on both our Twitter and our Instagram pages, LOI Central Pod. So, um, yeah, that's where you go if you go to find us on social and you'll get the, the link to buy the tickets who, there. Who do the Blues have the weekend? Uh, we're in Ballymena. Oh, uh, going Davey. up to see Big Davy at the yeah. weekend. So, another tough game for us, yeah. Um, the, all the best to that, Pat, and thanks a million for coming in. Cheers, thank you. Yeah, we are here in Oliver Marketing in association with Future Ticketing, Collar and Cuff. Uh, get your free. Um, Free whatever Decky's always got a Shirt good offer for LOI. Yeah, yeah, and especially in the wedding season. Um, we're also in association with Malone Insurance, and and we are in association with um, with the Porthouse Brewery, who are supplying the lovely G and Ts, uh, which you can obviously get on Sunday night. And we shall uh, be back next week. <laughs>